then you start making the right decisions in any situation. And when that happens, you really start accelerating your success. You open up the doors of opportunity and you really live a life truly happy and successful from an intrinsic perspective or an inside perspective. And that's really important. And then you just don't have any regrets. So do you trust your gut when it comes to business? Today, we're going to find out with Sunil Godse. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. This podcast is brought to you by Wingnut Social, a digital marketing agency amplifying luxury brands across the U.S. and Canada. For more information, go to wingnutsocial.com or give us a call at 1-877-WINGNUT. Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Powell. My middle name is not really Jethro, although my middle name does start with a J and it's hilarious to say. So today's guest is talking all about intuition. And let me tell you guys, when I was researching him, I was blown away because I really love the science of (laughs) woo-woo. You know, woo-woo things, but can be broken down with like reasonable scientific explanations. And Sunil does not disappoint. We are going to get into that subject matter today. And I think you guys are going to be blown away. But before we do, do you want to get known by the right people? Do you want to attract more of the right clients? Want to be the go-to in your space? Okay. In order to do this, you're going to need to be more visible. You're going to need to put yourself out there. And that, we all know, is easier said than done, right? So where do you begin? Well, here's one way you can begin, by joining me and Amanda Berlin for a very free, that means zero dollars, folks, visibility training on March the 3rd at 1 p.m. EST, E-S-T, (laughs) with Amanda Berlin, right? She's a public relations and visibility expert, and you may recall her episode on the Wingnut Social Podcast, episode 190. And if you haven't heard that, run, don't walk over to wingnutsocial.com and check her out. Also, you have seen her probably at Luann Live if you attended that. She got rave reviews for her presentation there. And she's a co-author with me in Luann Nagara's, here we go, deep breath, a well-designed business podcast, The Power Talk Experts Friday, volume two book that, (laughs) that just came out. So she and I will be hosting this absolutely free webinar on March the 3rd again at 1 p.m. EST, that's uh, Eastern Standard Time, right? That's what that stands for. And it's going to cover the three visibility essentials that you need to be seen as an expert and become well-known in your space. And here's the kicker, get more clients. To find out more, you're going to want to hop on over to amandaberlin.com slash Darla. That's A-M-A-N-D-A-B-E-R-L-I-N.com slash Darla. Absolutely 100% free. We will see you there. Before we get into our amazing interview with Sunil Godse, let's get into the mini news sesh. Mini news sesh. It's time for mini news. Mini news sesh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, for the mini news sesh this week, Hallie Zimmerman, the social media manager extraordinaire at the Wingnut Social Agency, is back, and we're talking about how Instagram is on to our tricks. What do you got for us today, Hallie? That's right. They're under our tricks, and we've got to think of some new creative ideas, okay? So... What we're getting out today is that Instagram has just released as of last week that they are going to start deprioritizing content that has been recycled from other apps. And that just is specifically related to Reels. And when we say this, what we mean is a great example would be a TikTok that you posted on TikTok and then you save the video and then you cross posted and you went and put it on Instagram Reels, right? You've already put in the time, the creativity, you know, the intention of TikTok and Reels is basically very similar. So it makes sense. Well, now we really got to focus on creating original content in Instagram Reels because they're on to us and we're going to have to make a change. (laughs) That that really sucks because I enjoy so much more creating the original content for TikTok. I find that their editing and everything is so much more robust and there's no issues with the music. I just love TikTok. And it was just such a nice little cheat to just say, oh, because the ratio is the same and just to share it to Reels. But man, they're on to us. That sucks. That makes our oh, job yeah, twice as much more difficult. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to lie. I was watching, you know, fairly soon after Reels took off and I started seeing the cross-posting happening, which let me tell you, I mean, as a social media manager, will always say, depending on your goals and the platform you want to focus on, we'd recommend 
creating original content, right? But at the end of the day, especially when it comes to TikTok and Reels, Reels was created as a direct competitor to TikTok. They're fairly similar. They're almost the same as they're meant to be. And it only makes sense that you'd share your content there and it would work as well. But I was wondering when Instagram might do something. I didn't know what they could do. But from what we're seeing is that they've researched and they've surveyed Instagram users and Instagram users are saying that it hinders their user experience to see lower quality reels that are might be blurry and also reels that have been recycled from other platforms. As a user of reels and watching them, I agree because there's a lot of influencers I follow on TikTok and I also follow them on Instagram and I don't want to see the same thing again. So probably it seems like we've been given just a little bit of a grace period to learn the app. And now they're just like, no, forget it. New original content or go home. That's right. Yeah. I think, I think with the grace period, you guys, it's ended. So we got to get on board here. Yeah. So it's interesting, but it, it's moving forward. But, you know, we've got some, you know, some do's and don'ts we're going to share, you know, so that maybe yeah. that will help you as you change your strategy a little bit. As far as don'ts go, anything we just covered, you guys, let's not you know, post anything that's blurry or low quality, keep it, you know, keep it to your standards. Let's keep it high. Um, that will help you, your videos be recommended. Also, again, we're going to limit or completely take away any content that we've recycled from TikTok or other platforms. We need to be creating content within the Instagram Reels app. That's what we need to do. Also, if you're taking, you know, you created an Instagram video and you've put it into one of these Instagram template applications that might put a border or some kind of design on your video, if you've done that, if you haven't, don't even worry about it. But if you have, don't do that either. As far as do's go, do create content in that platform. Don't be creating it somewhere else. Create it within Reels. Do play with their, you know, their text overlays, their camera effects, the filters, all of that. Play with it there, create it there. That's what they want. And that's what users are saying they do want. And uh, as far as music goes, I know you mentioned the music in TikTok. I do think there's different music libraries, ob obviously for both. But to be safe, you're going to want to use the music they have in Instagram. They do have a pretty good variety for sure. So definitely use that. And uh, just remember to shoot those videos uh, vertically, not horizontally. So up and down, not side to side. It helps with the viewing experience for, uh, for viewers out there. So does this apply even if you create original content on your phone, record it and upload it? Did, will they still ding you for that? If Will they know that it wasn't actually recorded and edited in the app proper? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, not that I'm aware of. I believe if it is created, you take a video, obviously, that you've shot on your own, and then you create it within the app, add your text, add your camera effects or your filters, all those things, that you should just be fine there okay? because um, you're still creating it within that app. But that's a great question. All right. Thank you, Holly. That being said, I still love TikTok more. <laughs> I hear you. We'll see. I'm excited to see everyone get creative out there. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, Hallie. We'll see you. I think we have Shana next week, but we'll see you later on. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Many new sesh. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into today's interview with Sunil Godsey. After making a series of bad decisions with one of those decisions leading to a friend being shot and killed, holy <laughs> that is a bad decision. Sunil Godsey spent thousands of hours on research and interviews to stop people from wasting time making the same bad decisions by sharpening their intuition. Guys, I have to tell you, I saw his TED Talk. You got, all you have to do is Google Sunil Godsey or go to the link in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com. You can see his TED Talk. It, I love this kind of stuff. I love anything that on the face of things seems woo-woo but can be broken down into science. And we're going to get into that with him today. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Sunil Godsey to the podcast. Hey there, Sunil Godsey. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing fantastic. Really excited to educate your listeners on what this thing called intuition really is. Right. And we were talking in the green room. Uh, intuition is something that I think, well, we all have this like gift of intuition. We don't necessarily listen to it. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I have just been like, ah, and ignored it and done the other thing and paid for it like severely in all kinds of ways, emotionally, financially. But before we get into the science of intuition and, and for you to share your knowledge bombs here, tell us a little bit about your company, Intuitionology, and what sets you as an expert. Yeah, so so intuitionology is really the premise behind that is to really kind of help people 
stop making bad decisions by wasting their time, which they do. And and so when they sharpen their intuition, and I show them how to do this through the tool, some tools and advice on something that is actually your own phenomenon that you're born with, then you start making the right decisions in any situation. And when that happens, you really start accelerating your success. You open up the doors of opportunity, and you really live a life truly happy and successful from an intrinsic perspective or an inside perspective. And that's really important. And then you just don't have any regrets. Right. So one thing I really liked about your take on it is I'm super into woo-woo things, but only if it can kind of be justifiable by some kind of scientific factor. (laughs) Yep. Right. Like um, if you do, if you pay attention to the secret or law of attraction, that's kind of woo-woo until you start delving into quantum physics. So I like I like to read about stuff like that and at least justify, okay, it's science, so it's not so woo-woo. So is this intuitionology, how much of it is woo-woo and how much of it is science and what is the science behind it? There's a lot of science that's, that backs it. And where I want to be careful with that is because intuition really is defined by each individual person. Um, and so, and there's, there's, there's science, science back, that backs that. And so when I started on my journey of really kind of figuring out this thing called intuition, I always thought, okay, how do I see it? Right? And so, you know, I remember like when I was back and if, if you've listened to my TED talk and uh, what you've done, you know, one of the things I talk on about there is like when I decided to think about, okay, uh, when did intuition kind of hit me? And I remember when I was five years old and I had this voice telling me, to go door to door to raise money because my dad said video games were expensive. And I did. And I raised 200 bucks, a hundred dollars went to charity and the other hundred dollars went to, uh, to my dad. But then there are other times that I had all these different sort of some things that were telling me what not to do, uh, you know, so going into engineering uh, as a uh, you know, East Indian male as doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure, that were the only four doors available to me. And so I picked door number three. My dad was an engineer and I, I, my intuition or this or something I would say at that time was saying, no, you're meant to be an entrepreneur. Everything, all the breadcrumbs I had leading up to that had something with sales, marketing, uh, you know, ideas. I've been raising 200 bucks as a five-year-old kid. And so these are all sort of breadcrumbs of entrepreneurship, but I followed the societal Kool-Aid or the, the East Indian or cultural norms, so to speak. Uh, and I just didn't like it. And, and two years into that three-year stint, um, I ended up becoming part-time investor in a restaurant chain. And man, I loved it. You know, I was, I was making five times more than a, a full-time engineer. And so I quit. Um, and so uh, that's when I decided to become an entrepreneur. Amazing. I loved it. Sacrificed my relationship with my dad, unfortunately. Became a management consultant. Um, had a contract term that was going wonky. Again, this something comes up, says back away. But I was so emotionally involved. I spent every penny going down there. Lost all my marbles, all my money. And then in engineering, I was doing some consulting and I had this friend who was actually being stalked and she reached out to me to get some advice. And again, this something came up and said, meet with her that afternoon. And again, these, all these, some things were different and that's why I couldn't pinpoint it to something concrete. And so uh, I ignored that something with her and I said, let's meet a couple of days later. And that stalker ended up following her to a bus shelter and put a bullet in her forehead uh, and killed her instantly. And I could have prevented that. That was my quest to figure out, okay, what are these some things? And how can I define it, right? Uh, How can I actually come up with a definition that resonates with me? And that really kind of started me down the journey of looking, okay, if I go online, then there's these things that are like voices from God, um, you know, spiritual manifestation, all the woo-woo stuff was what was being talked about online. And so that didn't resonate with me. And so... It was important for me to honor how they defined intuition, but it didn't, really didn't resonate with me. I went to online dictionaries. Yeah, they, they kind of danced around it. And then, uh, you know, then I had these signals. I, I refer to these things as signals. And then I remember someone seeing, uh, like, uh, one of my colleagues talk about intuition with these signals. They say, yeah, that that kind of is, is, is me. So why don't I go and, you know, talk to her. And I, and I um, went to her place and, and we did an interview. And so she was saying it's, it's energetic in nature and our research is just not there. Um, and we have a belief system that doesn't want to go beyond, you know, sort of the, the logical rational. So that kind of made sense to me. And so, yeah, you know, I understand it from an energy perspective. And I said, yeah, that kind of makes sense to me. Because I remember in my engineering days, like if I look at steel, for example, steel has sort of 
mass-like properties and wave-like properties or energetic properties. And so when a wind kind of hits, you can see things moving and vibrating. That's the energetic properties. You're talking about like a skipping rope. And that's sort of, from an engineering speak, without getting too technical, that to me spoke to me. Uh, and so and I said, well, it's kind of fascinating. She talked about that there was no research, but then uh, there's got to be, right? So I went out and I went out to someone else in my network who's a neurologist. And I said, oh, let me go talk to him. So I sat, went to the hospital he was at, turned on the camera, and I just asked him, okay, uh, I, not knowing what he's going to say. I said, well, does intuition exist? I said, Bloop, goes on the camera. It absolutely does. He starts talking about the science and the gut and the neurons. And then he says a lot more research and he trusts his patients. And he says more and more research, neuroscience research is coming out to show that it's, it happens way more before we're actually conscious of it. And I think, okay, now I have a scientific background. So now I've got this art and science blend to it. That now speaks to me. I still don't have a definitive definition and a little bit of alliteration there and maybe some, some <laughs> of bloopers there. Um, <laughs> but I just didn't have a definition. And so I said, okay, let's look at the science. What does the science say? I go to an academic database, type in the word intuition, hit enter, and thousands and thousands of articles on intuition, personal side, entrepreneurship, business, MRIs. Uh, and one of the pieces of research, and this is why I couldn't find a definition, is because intuition hits you with the amygdala. That's the fight or flight prehistoric part of your brain. All it knows is fear, trust, like that's it. There's no language. If there's no language around it, there's no way I can have a definition. And so I understand what it feels like because this is the feeling part of your brain, but I can construct my own language and therefore it's my definition. And so for those people who are talking about manifestation, woo woo, or not, or data and information experience, that's their definition of intuition. So I, I like to think that a lot of the things that are woo-woo can be d explained by science. Like if you were to go back in the Bible, some of the things, you know, they just didn't understand that could be explained by science now. So what I have read about, when we think about things like intuition, we're feeling it, well, for me personally, I mean, I know you said in the amygdala in the brain, but I don't think you feel that as much as you feel it in your actual gut. And I have read that the gut itself is almost like a second brain because of the microbiome and that there's something going on there that, like you said, you do feel it, it like knows before you do and just takes us a while to catch up with it. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've had that gut feeling and made some horribly expensive decisions and gone against it and just not listened to it. So how accurate are those gut feelings? Where you know, is there, are those little microbiomes like a whole society of people that can read the future and are you know little bacteria colonies or something? You know that that I'm just being silly, but how accurate is that gut feeling? Do you ever have that? Okay, I shouldn't do this, and then you do it, and it turns out successfully. Or she, you know what I mean? I know people listening can know exactly what I'm talking about, but again, to articulate it, it's kind of. Absolutely. And so this is now where we take sort of the signals and we distill it even more. And so when I went and interviewed uh, over a thousand people, what I found out is that there's these positive signals. Again, these are all unique uh, and these negative signals. So a gut feeling absolute from a scientific perspective, um, there's a separate neuro uh, sort of system that goes to the gut. And you're right, like there's a ton of neurons going through there. And you kind of get that's one of the sensations that come in is that gut feeling. But what I soon found out was that these signals are very, very unique to each and every single person. So for example, if you look at positive signals, positive signals are there to help you make the decision because the decision you're about to make is the right one. So for example, for me, these positive signals are the dots connecting or feelings just sort of a flow. And others have described it as, you know, a gentle pull. And I even had one CEO talk about it as being an omen. So there's this thing that pops up on his right shoulder, behind his right shoulder, and there's no shape, no color, he can't really see it like there's so, but he senses it's there. So when he, whenever he's hiring someone or doing a business deal or going to work with a vendor and this omen comes up, it's a confirmation that what he's feeling at the time is correct. And so he goes ahead with what he's doing. I instantly had a visualization of those old Warner Brother cartoons with the angel and the devil on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and so, again, that's that's someone characterizing that. Sure. So that's someone's interpretation of that. And so so what I would what I would say is so what are your positive signals? And so for example, and then if we look at negative signals, now these are the ones that are warning you that the decision that you're about to make is a bad one. And for me, a gut feeling is a negative one. But and here's here's the thing with negative signals. They actually start very subtle in nature, and Oprah actually calls it a whisper. And so everybody that might be listening or even watching are going to, there's 
100% of the time, they've gone into a, a situation, they walked into a room or saw a person or something, and there's that instant, there's something wrong. Yeah. And, it's, and that's that subtle signal. And the problem is it's so subtle that we tend to ignore that. And what happens is as we ignore those subtle signals, they start to get louder and they change until they, you know, look, they tap you on the shoulder, say, hey, 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 listen, it's your intuition telling you that something's got to change. And in some cases, people have gotten headaches. People have actually heard the word. I had one girl hear, hear the words get out to get out of a relationship. Oh, she ended no, up being 80,000. That's 80, some Amityville horror stuff right there. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there was another guy. This is another one. A CEO. Uh, his name's Darius Mitchell. He was running a, a billion dollar company, nine figure company. And it was time. It, there was nothing wrong with the company. And his intuition kept telling him. And he was just sitting in his car. And he basically uttered the words, quit now. Wow. Okay. And, and he did. He walked in, told his board what he was doing. They were kind of looking at him like, uh, you okay? Because it was, <laughs> but it was successful, but it was his time. And so these are some of the things that are very individual. And the problem with going with just the gut feeling is that, uh, let's say for you, that gut feeling is, is decision number one. Uh, that's your first intuitive signal. For me, let's say I rely on that gut feeling because everybody talks about common gut feeling voice. But for me, maybe that gut feeling is signal number three. If that's signal number three for me, that means I've missed the first two signals. If I missed the first two signals, I've made two bad decisions. Now, that bad decision could be I just simply bump into a wall. Or that bad decision, or those two bad decisions could be that I'm headed towards bankruptcy. I don't know. So, the thing is, we need to take stock of what our positive and negative signals are. We need to take the time to figure out what those are because the consequences, as you say, have cost you. Yeah. I, I remember, gosh, it was in 2005, I was dating someone and we bought a house together. We actually ended up buying a house together and we were in escrow. And I remember my gut telling me, you shouldn't do this. There's just something wrong. You shouldn't do this. But I had so much resistance as to the consequences of pulling out and saying, you know what, I changed my mind that I went against my gut and I'm telling you half a million dollar house. <laughs> it, uh, was a, it ended up being a disaster. So that, mm -hmm. which leads me to why do you think we as human beings cancel that out, cancel our gut feelings out and go against it? Is it more of a cultural bias or is it just something like uh, we're just afraid of being judged on some, you know, something seemingly woo woo? Why do we not listen? So there's a couple of things. One is that there's there's something that I call four intuitive hurdles. And so what happens is when, when we have our values that are kind of weakened, and it could be weakened because of trauma in our past, or, you know, we, we've, we haven't, we're, we don't kind of trust ourselves. Guilty. Or we start, yeah. we feel guilty, or we trust other people, or we trust society more than our own trust. Uh, that's when these hurdles come and they squash your signals. So, and I, without knowing the specific case that, that you had... So, and I'll go through these hurdles one by one. One is uh, being too emotional. And in relationships, we tend to do that. So we get too emotional, we use self-talk, and then we rely on the other person and his or her opinion when we have an opinion ourselves, but we're afraid to exercise it. The other one is being too rational. So following societal or cultural norms, I mean, me getting into engineering was a rational decision based on being East Indian because it looked good from a societal perspective. Um, the other one is ego, and there's two sides to ego. One is going to be, of course, your narcissism, but the other one is following the herd. And yeah. so that means that you are joining a group or you bring someone in because either they're popular or they're wearing brands or they know someone famous or there's something that's, that has us wanting to be with that person, that group or that family, but we know is not like they're going in a different direction. It's just not right. But for some reason, and, and I don't want to, I mean, everybody would know what that reason is internally. We stick with it. And the last one is, is uh, fear. Fear is huge. And so one of the things that intuition does pick up on, and I'll, and I'll run through, uh, there's four intuitive types as well. Okay. But one of the big ones is experiential intuition. And so what happens is when you're making a decision, one of the research that, was, that came out of the science that I looked at was saying that infants as young as two months old have shown to have intuitive capabilities. So that was my, my premise that if I was five, then I must be born with it was kind of, in my mind, true. Uh, and so if we're born with it, what intuition does is it takes all these experiences and it puts in the subconscious area of your brain where research has shown it, it is. And it's just like a library putting all this experience. So when you're making a decision, your intuition is going to go into that library, pluck those experiences out and say, okay, you're making a split decision, but guess what? 
you've already made this decision before, or you know somebody else that's made that decision, or you've got the raw skill sets to make that decision and take action. Whatever the case is, your intuition says, I'm going to show you the signal and say, yeah, you're going to make that decision. You should make that decision, but maybe you fear failure, you fear change, or you fear the unknown, one of those three, but it doesn't matter because you need to step through that. And one of the great uh, stories I tell is there's a fellow by the name of David Dame who's been in a wheelchair, cerebral palsy, wheelchair all his life, goes on holidays, finally gets a chance to put his dream into reality of just simply sinking his toes on a beach oh. and have the water go through his toes. So his f- friends wheel him up to the edge of the, the sand water barrier there. He gets up and he falls flat on his face. And he tells me, Sunil, I have two things I can do in this exact moment. I can succumb to my fear and forever sit back in the wheelchair and never, ever realize and regret that I didn't put my dreams into reality. Or I can trust my intuition, face that fear and take a step in the water and take another step and take another step. And he continued to do that until the water got up to his neck and he points to his neckline. And that's when he turned around. And when he turned around, he hadn't realized how far he had come. That's what happens when you listen to your intuitive signals is you really have to take those steps, battle that fear because it's a positive signal. When you do the work to figure out what your signals are, if it's positive, take it. And what happens is over time, not only do you develop the confidence, but you actually shed away that fear. And when you get to that state, then you're becoming unstoppable when it comes to intuition because anything you do from that point forward is driven by your intuition. And and the other thing that happens is you start filtering people out of your life that don't support that. Amen. The people that, <laughs> I'm the, all yeah, for that. The, yeah. Yeah. The people who don't care for you, the people who won't be there for the ups and the downs. And these aren't yes people. These are people that were that truly, truly believe in your purpose. And, and of the tens of thousands that we all met, I've got like three. Yeah. I am saying I've got three. Right. And and so it becomes a self-selection process. You kick the people out that you need to kick out. You got to be hard uh, hard about it. Uh, And you bounce the people out there. I mean, you can keep people on the outside, but you don't let them into the inner circle. And when you surround yourself- You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah. And and when you surround yourself with that kind of a foundation and you're guided by intuition, you've got that confidence you're moving forward. Every day is just a great day, right? And it's going to be ups and downs, emotion. We're not robots, but- if you start trusting your intuition more often, you just life's going to be great every single day. You know that Wingnut Social offers kick-ass, full-service digital marketing, social media strategies, and SEO audits. But did you know that we also offer consulting? That's right, just straight-up consulting on an hourly level, because we understand that not every small business owner is in a place financially to fully delegate their digital marketing, their social media marketing, to outsource it because it is an investment. But you guys still want guidance from the pros so that you can effectively get in front of your ideal client on social media. And you know what's even better? If you combine the consulting with the social media strategy, that's a killer one-two knockout punch. And you can still DIY it moving forward, still have that plan in place to accomplish what you want to on social media, whether that's getting your ideal client, whether it's doing brand collaborations, whether it's broadening your reach, or, you know, just ruling the entire known universe. (laughs) So we're happy to do that for you. If you just give us a call at one eight seven seven wingnut or go check it out at wingnutsocial.com. Again, that's one eight seven seven wingnut or wingnutsocial.com. We're happy to help you out. I love it. So there's a couple of times you were talking about negative and positive intuition. Like for some reason in my personal experience, the negative warning signs, I have not been so great about listening to and, and saying, you know what? No, on second thought. But the positive ones, I mean, I quit a career and became an interior designer and, and to do the social media. And that was a great listening to my intuition. I gave my lieutenant two weeks notice when the intuition was there and that moment struck. But how do you know, how do you, if you're speaking to the the person listening to this right now who has an intuition factor and how do they differentiate the message that's coming to them from maybe they're afraid of something to do it. You know, what's the difference between a gut feeling of, listen, you don't want to do this because this person is the devil, or maybe they're just afraid of going outside of their comfort zone. How do they know which which it is? 
So this is when they need to spend time to really look back at the decisions that they've made. And so one of the things that we'll talk about uh, at the end is there, I have the seven day challenge that I have people that go through and basically they have a problem and it's, it's free. There, there's, there's, I mean, they don't even know. And so essentially what the seven day problem does, and it's the process that they should go to is, is basically what they're doing is figuring out, okay, what problem do I have or what decision do I want to make? And that's, that's the very, very start. And what does it mean to me? to solve that problem. What are the things, outcomes I'm expecting? What things can I shed? How's this gonna move my life forward? So all those questions basically have to be asked and then sort of journalized or written or in, in the PDF form that I, that I provide, they actually type it online there or just print it out, whatever it is. But the first thing that they do is they look back to the, what didn't work for that decision. And so when they look at what didn't work, then this is where they're gonna be paying attention to, okay, now I'm taking an inventory of my negative signals. So if it was a gut feeling, great. That was something that, that came up because I did this, I took this step and that gut feeling told me not to do it. And these are internal thoughts, you know, they sure. don't necessarily have to be out and, and, and talk about it, but it's important to journalists thing. Yeah. And then, so if it is that gut feeling, very much like my uh, example I did before, was that the first decision or was there a previous decision to that, that led you to that bad decision, that to that led you to that gut feeling? So then if this, if gut feeling was decision number three or signal number three, then you want to look at what signal number two. And then you also want to dig a little bit deeper, figure out what signal number one is. So when you do that process, then you really get a good inventory of signals. And that's important to do that first. The next thing you do is, is you go to a place where you cut out the noise and think clearly. So for example, for me in the shower, uh, when I drive long distances, uh, and sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll, I'll wake up two, three in the morning. And for some reason, a lot of marketing decisions come to me at two, <laughs> three in the morning. I'm not sure why, uh, but it also has to do with the, the digital marketing and the marketing campaigns that we have with my team. But whatever it is, you go, uh, some people take a walk, some people cycle. And what you do is you sit and think about what, what, how do I solve that problem? What steps am I going to take? And then you start listing the steps and you'll get those positive signals because a positive signal will be sort of the dots connecting feel flow, whatever it is for you that when you say, I'm going to take the step, what does it feel when you say that? And you write that down. The reason why you do the negative signals first is because you might be able to say, okay, I'm going to take the step. And then all of a sudden this negative signal starts creeping in and saying, uh, no. And because you've done your homework on the negative signal and you now recognize it as a negative signal, then you don't take that step. You take that step out because that step is not going to move you towards solving your problem. And so once you've got, say, your positive and negative signals, the next thing you do is figure out who's going to help you solve that. And it could be someone afar. It could be a mentor. It could be someone in your inner circle. Be very specific. Don't forcefully, emotionally bring in your best friend because you happen to get excited that this is an exercise that you want him and her involved. Right. If that best friend does not help you solve that particular problem, they are not to be part of that decision set. And so this very, very careful. That's, that's a warning that I gave in the video in there in that task. Uh, and then after you do that, what environment do you change? And then solve it, take action. And then I actually measure your intuition from the start to this finish. There's two times on a percentage basis. I've had over 54,000 people now through the challenge. 100% of the time in seven days, their intuition has gotten strengthened. What is the link for that? We'll go ahead and mention it now and at the end as well. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, intuitionalogy.com forward slash seven day challenge. Uh, and there may be a link there. I think uh, we'll, we'll link to uh, for specifically for your uh, peeps as well. So we may have intuitionalogy.com forward slash wingnut social forward slash seven day challenge. I love that you said the journaling part, because I do journal every day, business stuff, appointments, just free flow. But I had never thought about journaling gut stuff. You know, if there's business decisions, like right now I'm deciding, do I need to hire someone for digital marketing for Wingnut Social? I'm kind of on that precipice. And I'm not sure exactly what my gut's saying. What do you do if you're like on the fence and you don't know if you're getting a positive or a negative message on that? Do you just kind of wait for it to be inspired by going on a walk or going on a bike ride? Or how do you? Yep. So, okay. so there's that. So so let's let's go through the four different types of intuition, because I think the four types will make make it a really, really good, because one of them is called relational intuition, which is which is going to inform you here. So and, and I'm going to talk about the four types of intuition from a non-believers perspective. And so the way I, I characterize intuition is that it's like driving a car. Most people just want to push the button or turn the crank and then hear the engine, which are your signals and just, just drive. 
there's some weird people like me that sometimes want to pop the hood open and take a look at, ooh, there's some neat stuff going in there. And so from an intuitive perspective, and this is what was really important for me to understand how it worked, I needed to pop the hood. And when I pop the hood, there's these four types of intuition that came together uh, that in a split second helps you make the decision. And the way it communicates with you is essentially through the engine noise or the signals. So one of the, the first interviewees I had was someone who absolutely did not believe in intuition. And it's a friend of mine, John Rothschild, a very nice gentleman. And so this guy was an investment banker where data ruled the roost. And so if I came to him and I was telling him, oh yeah, I've got some people see omens and voices from God. And so he's saying, okay, and you want to interview me on intuition? So let's, okay, you know, we'll do it. Uh, We'll talk about intuition for five minutes and then maybe we'll catch up for the rest (laughs) of the 55 because I don't know what we're going to talk about. And so I turn on the cameras and sure enough, I tell him about the omens and all these kind of things. And he actually says, I, I would love to shake the hand of the guy who sees omens. And, you know, just, it just, intuition just doesn't, it's unfortunately not part of your decisions. I mean, your decisions that you make are based on experience and, and data and learning. And I said, well, John, one of the four types of intuition is actually called experiential intuition. And it does take into account, like when you're born with intuition, you've got all these experiences over time that are being put in the subconscious area of your brain. Uh, And if you look at your brain like an iceberg, 90% is underwater, 10% is above. So information, information, information all the time. So when it comes to making a decision, you already have all that information that your intuition brings back from the library to say, listen, you know how to make this decision. In the past, you've got the skills, the raw skills to do it. You've already seen someone else do it. So I'm telling you, you can make this decision. So your experience actually helps you, and the data helps you make that decision. In some cases, you go against the data. And so John says, oh, well, I actually have an example for you. So now he's getting it a little bit. Uh, The second of the four is called situational intuition. And there are times when you actually look at, and I often use the time when my wife and I were looking to buy our first house. We walk in and we instantly know know whether it's a house or a home. You get that warm, inviting feeling or cold. Or you look, you come to some place and go, there's something off here. And so that's situational intuition. And so in John's case, John is was in the in the business of putting franchise locations together. He used a benchmarking system, which was uh, used like uh, demographics and traffic flow and all that development. And out of a 10, a 9 out of 10 meant that he would put a franchise location. He walks into this area, which was a five out of half out of 10 that his team put together. And him and his partner just looking and says, something, I, th- we, I think we need to put a, a location here. And his intuition was saying, and he was saying, it was perhaps intuition, maybe not, but they did. And that franchise chain called the beer market was the most profitable from a profit loss perspective wow. ever. You had me a uh, beer market, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, wow. and so now he's getting it. And so we're talking about intuition in partners, in uh, bringing people on board. And then one of the decisions that he made at the very end, and I said, I asked him, John, did you ever make a decision that was so obtuse that people thought you were nuts? <laughs> and so he said, oh, man, do I have a decision? And so he, what he was saying is that, so intuition works really, really strong, strongly when you have your real strong values or your purpose. And he was so much on the sidelines as an investment banker, but he was never coaching a business or running a business. And his purpose changed. He actually wanted to run a business. But the third of the three, uh, four, and we talked about relational intuition in terms of talking about bringing on someone to hire. All the people around him that were concerned about money, ego, fame, security, he cared nothing about what, what John wanted. We're all saying you were nuts. His relational intuition were able to discard all those people from his decision set and focus on the one person that truly supported him in what he wanted, and that was his wife. And now this is a non-believer. This is now 55 minutes later. He turns to his wife, and he says, he looks her in the eye, and he's telling me, he says, this just feels right. Wow. There's your intuitive signal. And he did. He quit. This guy, this guy was making three, four million dollars a year, high-end restaurants, private jets, limousines. He could have picked a, a, you know, a business with strong cash flows, great revenue stream, a strong balance sheet. Nope, tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. And he did. He quit. 
he walked into that tiny bankrupt little restaurant. That was restaurant location number one for Eastside Mario's. And that became over a thousand locations in 20 years, $2 billion in revenues, all because of an intuitive decision. And so from a non-believer, we now have the four types of intuition all working together, telling him with a signal that this just feels right. And in one hour, he went, I went from zero to hero. And I saying, wow, if I can do this for him. And it's his intuition, his stories, his signals, his four types. I'm just shining a light on it. Can you imagine what I can do for other people? And that's how Intuitionology was born. You know what I was thinking when you were telling that story too, um, being on site, something as a interior designers, which is a huge majority of our audience is interior designers, is mm-hmm. when we go to our initial consultations and we meet clients, part of the reason that we do that is to get a feel for the client and then to get a feel for us. And we have a thing in the industry that we call red flags, <laughs> clients who are red flags. And again, every time I've seen a red flag client, my intuition has said, you know what? I don't think this is going to be a a good fit. Let's not work together. But they still had the money. It's always been a horrible experience. So that's just, um, just, I don't really have a question there, but it's just something again, just in a, on a smaller scale, not billions of dollars of, you know, business or opening up a beer restaurant, but to think, okay, this is going to be a red flag client. Let's refer them to somebody who will be a better fit and save all that headache. But that's another example of going against intuition where it's been a nightmare. So, yeah. And let's see, take that example even further. And even from, uh, and this is just pervasive in, in the real estate industry, in the insurance industry, uh, any service-based industry, even, even you know what I'm doing. And so let's say you do that because it's great money. It's, the percentage is excellent. It get, puts, you know, we're got, all going to use this self-talk to, to try and justify why we should go with that client when we already know we shouldn't. And the laggard indicator is the nightmare. The laggard indicator is the time wasted, uh, or frankly, sometimes the money wasted. And there's a, there's a term I call upper opportunity cost. And opportunity cost means that it's not just that initial time and all the other times that you wasted. Okay, yeah, you got maybe a nice paycheck, but all the headaches that came with it. But you also have to look at not just that time wasted and maybe that money and energy effort that was wasted. But what about the stuff that could have been the money that you could have made, the time that you could have spent with someone else that was a good ideal client, the energy that you could have spent with someone else that truly aligned with your intuitive values or your intuition, that's two times the cost of making a bad decision. So, yep, you, you know, your bank account went up one, but it could have gone twice as high and you would have been happier. You're right. Saying yes to a bad client is saying no to a good one. Yep, yeah. And that, yeah. And those good clients are going to refer you because you just have that vibe with them. It's fun. It's exciting. Intuition is a two-way street. So if it's a bad client and you don't feel it, they feel it too. And so, yes, you're a conduit for, and this is how I pick real estate people. If I am not in alignment with them or if they're treating me like a number, I know they don't care. If they don't care, I'm not going to do, going to do business with you because there's so many real estate people out there that do care. And the ones that care are the ones that I remember. And you know what? Of, of, of the thousands of, I've, I've seen with cards or it was interesting. I even I had a, so I was buying flowers. I think it was Valentine's Day, not this one, but a couple of years ago. And I was in line and a real estate person came in. We just started chatting because we're waiting in line. And, and so we got talking about the marketing for real estate people. And I said, yeah, the best thing to do is, you know, just get to know someone. Don't pitch them. Don't pitch them because that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for a person. Uh, and the, I already know you're a real estate person because at some point, if I like you, at some point that'll come up and then you're in my mind. Uh, and sure enough, at the very end, as I'm paying, and leaving, the card gets shoved in my face. And oh, I just said, <laughs> we just had this whole discussion. And I do remember her. I remember her face, lovely lady, lovely smile. I will not give her business, unfortunately. Yeah, it's about relationship building, right? Absolutely. You don't, yeah, not 100%. 100%. Everything's about relationship. The marketing you put out, the sales language you use, and it has to be genuine relationship building. If you're not walking your talk, again, that relational intuition for me is going to pick up on that. And if you say something fantastic, if you put out marketing messages, great. If you're part of the herd, then you're going to get lost. And so you can't put anything there that is not congruent with how you act when I, you're not looking or when I see you in person. And so if there's that dichotomy between who you think you, 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 who you want to say you are and who you really are, you may suck a few people in, but the ones that 
should matter to you are the ones that are going to refer you aren't going to do business with you and they may never tell you and I'm going to tell other friends not to do business with you. We just had this with a couple, one of our friends who moved out of country and we had this discussion about real estate people and there were five of us that are really tied well and generally with our five if, if one has someone that works well for them in whatever capacity they get business generally from all the other five. It's an instant business as long as they're doing it in a genuine way. So we've kicked people out of that network and we've made this discussion about real estate people. We've had this discussion about interior design people as well. Who shouldn't you work with? What complaints were there? I love that this is a, a terrific way to wrap up this thought on here with a marketing thought since we're basically a marketing podcast. But I love that you said that because if you're marketing in an ins- insincere way, then the people who are, are seeing your marketing, their intuition is going to say no. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So so it works both ways. I'm sorry. I I think I interrupted your thought there. What were you going to say? And then we'll get into the what up wingnut round and tell our listeners with and go to find out more, Sunil. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I was was just saying that it's very, very important that you watch that two-way relationship. So as much as you're on, you have to be consistent when you're off. And if you don't have that and stop selling, like just... Just genuinely have the relationships because people will know that you're an interior uh, designer and there's so many out there, but you're the unique one with your unique personalities, your unique personality, unique person and that relationship. And you're, you're probably going against the norm of everybody else who's not doing it the right way. Yeah. These are three in the morning marketing thoughts. (laughs) Yes. All right, Sunil, this has been an amazing interview. Let me ask you right now, if you're ready for the what up wingnut round. I am ready. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. Sunil, what would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Always trust your intuition. (laughs) Durr. You're stuck on a deserted island and can have only one favorite food. What is it? Authentic Indian butter chicken. Oh, that's nice. Please recommend a book that has had an impact on you either personally or professionally. Power versus Force by, I'm looking at it right now, David Hawkins. It's a little bit older, but it talks about energy, and so it's a little bit heavy, but it talks about creativity, this thing called intuition from their perspective, and some of the experiments they used to do in the 70s and 80s, just to even think about just changing a word uh, from something from positive to negative, and, and your body instantly reacts. Wow. Uh, it's just it's a phenomenal book that was recommended again and again by people in the space of uh, of stuff like meditation. Uh, and it's not heavy that way. Right. It's just a very practical way of, of doing it. But it's really changed the way uh, I've kind of formed, shaped my way through intuition and, and the thoughts around it. Awesome. I just added it to my audible cue because I am a bookaholic. Sunil Godsey, please tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about you. And uh, if you could repeat that link again for the little course thingy. Absolutely. So I'm on all the major channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm going to try TikTok. I'm not going to dance because if I dance, your intuition will say, please unfollow. (laughs) Uh, Or if you'd like some entertainment, yes, you could say, oh, that guy can't dance for sure. Uh, And then you can go to intuitionology.com. There's lots of links there for the seven day challenge. I'll give a specific link for uh, for you, for your show notes, uh, if they want. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's how you get into into my world at the start. And if you use that template from the seven day challenge, you can use that for every single decision. You don't have you don't have to do anything with me after that. Uh, and now you have a template to make every single decision the right one based on your intuition. Awesome. I'm definitely going to hit that up myself. You guys can go to wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Look for this episode with Sunil Godsey. Sunil, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. You've been a terrific guest. You have an amazing week. Thank you. So how about that? Always trust your gut, basically, in a nutshell. And I seriously, whenever I have gone against that little voice in my gut, and I'm talking, you know, your solar plexus, the what do they call it in I used to take karate years ago and they call it the hoodie, <laughs> Korean karate. I think it was the hoodie. God, people are laughing at me right now. But you know that go with your gut thing. Whenever I rationalized it or justified it or tried to mentally talk myself out of it, or like Sunil said, over emotionalized and gone against it, tragedy, disaster, expensive. And the article that I was talking about that I read is one example. At John Hopkins University put out one, and it starts like this. And we'll have the link to the article in the show notes. So it's, sure, there's some woo-woo. Who knows? Maybe it's, you know, like I said, that little civilization of bacteria in your gut. You know, they're saying, hey, you're on deck. Darla's about to make a decision. (laughs) But the article starts out like this. If you've ever gone with your gut to make a decision or felt butterflies in your stomach when nervous, you're likely getting signals from an unexpected source, your second brain. Hidden in the walls of the digestive system, this brain in your gut 
is revolutionizing medicine's understanding of the links between digestion, mood, health, and even the way you think. You know, so what does your gut's brain control? So maybe there actually is a non-woo-woo part of this gut situation. But I know that you're out there listening saying, you know what, Darla, you're right. I remember this one time when uh, A happened and I, I knew I shouldn't have done it. I, or this client that I just, I had this feeling, I kind of just knew that I shouldn't work with her and all hit the fan and it ended up being an awful experience and I'll never do it again. But sometimes we still do it again <laughs> because we're trying to rationalize our, our way through it. So I'm going to start journaling. I'm going to start journaling my gut decisions. And I was thinking too, when I was talking to Sunil, I, I do meditate every day or at least every other day about sitting in that quiet space and seeing if I can have my gut tell me, do I need to hire? <laughs> do I need to hire a salesperson for Wingnut or do I need to do A, B, C, or D? Because sometimes, you know, you're on the fence. You don't know is, you know, between the brain or between that gut feeling. So I think this is an exercise I'm going to start journaling and seeing if I can get in better touch with that gut feeling now that I, you know, feel more empowered to listen to it and to follow it. So I really do hope you like my conversation with Sunil God. So you guys should check out his TED Talk, which was terrific. I, I want to watch it again, actually. That link will also be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Look for this episode with Sunil Godsey. Go and sign up for his seven-day course, which I'm going to do that. The link again in the show notes. Also, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on whatever the hell you're listening to this podcast on. Come check us out on social at wingnutsocial on all of God's green earth social media channels. <laughs> God created social media, don't you know? And if you need help with marketing your business, give us a call at 1-877-WINGNET or hop on over again to wingnutsocial.com and check us out, see what we're all about. We have some amazing case studies for current clients, and you'll be blown away with the results that we've been able to achieve for them. So go check that out. The case study is at the top of the navigation there. And that's it for this week. So guys, remember to go out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 1-877-WINGNUT to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. Let me tell you a little bit about what we going. We going gots on. Hold on, here comes the schmutz. <laughs> here comes the schmutz. It's all right. Do doodle do doodle do doodle do. Okay. Would you believe that I quit drinking? This could have been a bad week to stop sniffing glue. Good boy, Mango.